welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Hostway. That was a beautiful new intro. Thank you, sir. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 I aim to please, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we still plan on talking about most things literary, but we've come to the conclusion that this is a comic book podcast and yeah. not necessarily a literary podcast. So. The manga will come every now and then. Yeah, and we'll probably, you know, at the end of the end of the show, talk about what else we've been reading. But I have been yeah. liking that little recap, the just in case. Yes. Yeah. So. So, as you guys know, we're here to talk about comics, all the new comics that came out. But we have a few things we're going to talk about uh, before we do. First thing I want to talk about is our network, Geek Elite Media. Uh, Very briefly, uh, we want to give a thank you to Geek Elite Media for being the best step-parents ever. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, um, when you you and your family leave your dad because he's an awful racist piece of shit, and your mom starts dating somebody new, and you're like, I don't know about this guy, but then... (laughs) But then he turns out to be the best dude ever. And yeah. you look back on the time you spent together and realize he did more for you than your real father ever did. Uh, then, yeah, that, that's Geekly Media to me, for, as far as this goes, to use an extended metaphor. Um, but yeah, uh, Geekly Media does look like, as it is, is coming to at least a conclusion or of some sorts. We'll have more details about that on the, in the future uh, when we reach out to you. But um I just want to give a shout out to them, to Mitch, uh, to Steven, to Daniel, to Jess and John and Franny and everybody else that's been with us, you know. Um, Huge thank you for just being so welcoming and just like joining our podcast and just like wanting to just like be involved. It's so cool. Yeah. I want to thank Mitch specifically, obviously being our leader and Mitch giving me the experience of being interviewed for the first time, <laughs> which was weird. Because I was always the interviewer, not the interviewee. And it was just really interesting being on the other side of that. And uh, I still go back and listen to that sometimes. Nice. Actually, I, 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 it was very interesting to hear you know, myself like that. And I, I will say uh, I take a lot from Mitch when it comes to interviews. Uh, he's taught me quite a bit. Before I even knew the man, I listened to some of his interviews and learned quite a bit about how to interview somebody. So, But a man's got to grow up. man's got to be with his family. He's got to do his right thing. So totally, we love you, Mitch. No hard feelings. You are the best, and you are always welcome on any of our shows ever. Absolutely. Anything you want to throw in, Hostway, before we move on? Uh, yeah. If you ever want to talk music, come over to Jukebox Vertigo. <laughs> yes. You're a dream guest at this point, Mitch. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so now we're going to talk about some comic book news. Uh, not a lot this week, but a couple cool things. Uh, first of all, a high-grade copy of The Incredible Hulk number one has been sold for $490,000. Holy, oh my god. It's almost half a million. It's at a 9.0, yeah. which makes it near mint. <laughs> wow. And yeah, that's insane. <laughs> like, So I wish I would hold on, held on to my comics back in the day. Like mm-hmm. sometimes. I had... First appearance of She-Hulk, Savage She-Hulk number one, written by Stan Lee that I could have gotten signed by Stan Lee and I did it. <laughs> and it's in terrible shape. I still have it, but it just looks awful. And I'm like, why didn't I take care of this? Like, uh. But comics are meant to be read also. So True. Uh, next thing I want to talk about. 
Um, Boom has announced that there's going to be a new Buffy the Vampire spinoff book for Angel. Um, I always liked Angel. Angel is actually my favorite uh, series of the two Buffyverse series. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked how noir it was with a little bit of a sense of humor. I liked the cast for the most part. It was really great. So, um, but this this one is going to be uh, set in an alternate universe where he's not only a monster hunter hunter running Angel's investigations, but is also the star of a television show called Angel for Hire. I like this concept. It's going to be ridiculous, and it's going to be written by Christopher Cantwell, which is another excellent Ooh, sign. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'm definitely going to be checking that out. It's been a while since I've had a good uh, Buffy book, Buffy slash Angel. So, um, but yeah, next thing I want to talk about Jeff Lemire. Uh, creator that we're both pretty familiar with at this point. Man, that don't stop. He has announced that he has signed an exclusive deal with Image Comics. Whoa, whoa. For all his forthcoming projects. Wow. Now, this does not bring his existing properties over to Image. Uh-huh, right. So, like, Black, Black Hammer, Hammer and, you know, all those, they're not coming over with him. But everything from this point forward, he will be doing through Image. Hmm. So that's really interesting, and I'm very curious to see what he's going to be doing there. Um, yeah. Especially because um, another bit of news I'm going to transition over to. It is official. The comic book union at Image Comics has won the election. Yeah. It's official. Yeah, boy. So fucking good. So huge. And and yeah. I was, and I was, there was to be Image. There was a real, there was a real push. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was saying like, it almost had to be image, but yeah, no, you go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, there was a real push to to invalidate them, make them look bad. <laughs> I know there was some shady shit going on at Shadowline for a little bit about not using anyone who was in support of the union and stuff. And I'm <laughs> like, that's reprisal. You can't do that, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, Compact Workers United have won the election, making Image Comics the first unionized comic book publisher in the United States. Yeah, so uh, good. So, yeah, and it's, it's like it's going to be interesting. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's hope it spreads uh, to more publishers, the ones that need it. I think honestly, Image is one that definitely needed it. Oh, for sure. Uh, it, it yes, and exactly. Had this been around sooner, as for comic book creators that have needed it, I would still probably be talking more so about Rick Remender, but shit wasn't like this around and people couldn't get their money so yeah that's why i'm so fucking excited so happy at this that, that people are getting theirs now especially because image is no longer doing reprints like yeah. second printings mm-hmm. that's that that takes money straight out of the creator's pro- pockets and something that i've always pointed out is um there's an issue in comics of recognition of colorism letterists specifically mm-hmm. and on images website they don't put the colors or letterists they don't. They just put the artist and writer on yeah. the official website. That's messed up. It really is. Like, that's so disrespectful. So um, hopefully that lead. This is going to lead to a unification and further recognition of the of everyone involved in the process. So very exciting about that, though. So yeah. Uh, which leads me to my last bit of news. We have some gigantic news about two upcoming X Men books. We've been talking about the the um, the Oof. lineups and everything we're finding out. The first one is X Men Red. Yeah. Oh my so God. So X Men Red, we know now, is going to revolve around 
Erico. Yeah. And that makes sense. X-Men Red, Red Planet, etc. Mm-hmm. And we do know that, at least according to the covers, we can expect, obviously, a lot of Storm. Yes. Magneto. My boy Sunspot. Yeah. <laughs> we got Abigail Brand still lurking in the background. And this alternate cover has Vulcan as well. Yes, finally. He's been kind of MIA for a while. And he's one of those I was, I was excited for from the beginning to, to, be, uh, to be around. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and the other one we found out more about, and, the, and I know Hussway's excited to talk about this. Oh one. my God. And I don't know why we didn't think of this, but the book is called Legion of X. And we didn't, <laughs> I didn't at least didn't put it together that, hey, maybe Legion's on Legion of X. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Like, I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, it does look like this one is spinning out of Way of X. Right. Yes. Especially with Spurrier. Yeah, well, and then the, what it's going to contain, but it is going to consist of Legion, mm-hmm. Nightcrawler, yes. Pixie, mm-hmm. Juggernaut, yes, Blindfold, who is back, uh huh, Doctor Nemesis, yes, and a teased return of Forget Me Not from the uh, Spurrier X Men Legacy run. So, mm-hmm. um, and Congregation. And Congregation, yeah, does appear. Slash Dust, for those who don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that's really cool. Um, a really cool it, team. And it's going to deal directly with, quote, the psychedelic mindscape known as the Altar. So that we saw come up in the, the Onslaught uh, book. I'm just excited um, for Juggernaut. Like, dude, yes. Yeah. And it's really interesting, the concept of it. Basically, um so it says the series will follow up on some of the themes Spurrier previously explored in Way of X, uh, specifically that we know that there are a number of laws that mutants have to live under, but while it's easy enough to enforce the law, is justice really being done with these laws? Legion of X will deal with the concept, or that concept while also tackling some of the most dangerous new threats from within on Krakoa, including a, a villain who can possess innocent mutants and a missing Araki god. So, yeah, and he, he, talk, he called it like a precinct-style ensemble. Hmm. Which I really, really like, and he does. He does mention there will be a rotating cast. Okay. So some of these, like, I don't expect congregation to be there the entire time. To be honest, mm-hmm. I expect them to get rotated out of it. So really, I feel like after yeah. getting after getting that name from Way of X, uh, I feel like she would be one to stay. The fact she's not listed in that cast list I had there tells me she's probably not staying. Oh, uh, so, okay. Yeah, that's just my thoughts. So. But pretty cool. I'm excited with the way these books are shaping up. So, Oh, yeah. Both of them, for sure. Yeah. So, awesome. Now we're going to move on to talk about Comics House. However, Josue, do you have any questions? Anything? Uh, any news you want to bring up? Anything going on? I couldn't get my hands on Thor 20 or Magic 10. That was really sad. Uh, funny you should mention Magic Twin. To Magic 10. There we go. <laughs> because we're going to start with Magic 10. And we're also going to start with a boom. And that is going to be Boom Studios and Magic 10. Pulling it up here. Here's the cover I got. Pretty cool. basic cover overall, but cool. Written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Iguara, colored by Ariana Consoni, and letter by Ed Dukeshire. I was really hoping you'd get this because it's just chock full of Planeswalker goodness. <sighs> so... The whole fight with Merit Lodge is coming to a head. Uh, and their whole plan is 
they're going to this world where there's the undead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a world of only undead. It's Amonkhet. And they're going to basically take over all the undead and make them worship Merit Lodge. And as long as they're worshiping Merit Lodge, she won't go anywhere else. Because that's her whole goal is to be worshipped. Right. As long as she's worshipped, she doesn't have to need to move on, right? So that's the goal. And our main Planeswalker characters are the ones doing that while the other Planeswalkers help fight it off, right? So the very first thing we do is we see Ajani. And Ajani's like, I should be out there fighting. And Niambi's like, no, no, you should be here healing people. So you can just immediately get a shot of him. She's like, yes, you're a warrior, but you're also our greatest healer. This is where we need you. Then we cut to the fight. And just this this shot, you can just see all kinds of shit going on. Yeah, everybody doing their thing. And then we cut to different characters, including Chandra Lenoir, burns hot, fusing desert sands into black glass. All the concerns and fears burn away cleanly in the inferno. Her friends need her to burn, and she'll burn like nothing else this plane has ever seen. Dope. Uh, <laughs> and then Angroth visits his rage upon his enemies. Uh, Samut and Basri Ket do battle with the dead. Um, Sahili and Karn are creators, not destroyers. And it's, you know, just like they're part of it. The fairy is my favorite part. Teferi, no warrior, has nonetheless spent his life fighting wars as he coaxes and cajoles time to aid and protect his friends. Ooh. Yeah, like... I got so much crazy shit trying to conceptualize in your brain happening at the same time. One's freezing, slowing time to protect others. One's a burning sun just, flying around. And just little bits, like, just slowing someone down just enough, you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, And then Arlen Cord, the werewolf oh, one. Oh, yes, my girl! This shot... Bro, oh my god, she's just so fucking awesome. Like her card, like a Planeswalker card that flips because she is one. Oh, so sick. And there's a second one now. There isn't enough of her. Yeah. Arlen Cord thought she knew horror on her home plane of Innistrad. Here, surrounded by the endless dead, she understands just how wrong she is. Fuck. <laughs> and then as they're fighting, Merit Lodge returns, right? Uh-huh. So, here's our our crew. Yes. So we got the three that we know. Yes. We got Jace melding them together, and we got Liliana Vess, right? And it goes into detail as exactly what role they play. So it's Kaya Vraska, Ralzeric, Jace, and Liliana Vess. And in the end, it works. They take over the undead. And they're all like, okay, now we need to teleport out. And everybody teleports out except for Jace and Vraska. Oh. His his love interest, right? Right. And she's like, all right, it's time to go. He's like, oh, oh you know, you, sh- you should go. She's like, you first. He's like, no, no, I have a plan. She's like, you first. She goes, you don't have a plan, do you? And she realized he can't break the connection. Because remember, Merit Lodge is following Jace. That's yeah. the whole thing. He told her he could break the connection. And that would leave her stranded in this world with the worshipers. He can't. He always planned to stay behind. Yeah. And she's like... I don't want to die, but if I leave, she follows me. This is a puzzle with no solution. She said, some puzzles have no solution, Jace. And she's like, he's like, go. And she's like, are you going to make me? And she's, he's like, no. So she decides to stay with him. <sighs> Damn it. So, so all the other planeswalkers teleport out. And we get this awesome scene where they're, they're embracing. And you see them hugging, right? Holy shit. And then... The other planeswalkers are sitting there in the other other play, and they're like, "Hey, where's Vraska?" And right when everything was ending, 
comes in and pulls Roscoe away. No! <gasps> oh my god. And Jay says, go on and live then, Roscoe. And then Marilash hits. Fuck! Yes! What the swoop? Oh my god! <laughs> and Roscoe is not happy. We'll put it that way. And then in the end, so they, they come back to Rav, Ravnica and they're like, well, this is it. And they're like upset because now they're not friends because mm-hmm. of what she did. Yeah. And Roscoe's like, fuck you, I'm done. We're not friends. And then all of Ravnica's like, planeswalkers, get them. Something's going on where they're blaming the planeswalkers for everything. And oh. that's going to lead us into our next arc. Sick. So, but heartbreaking. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> the loss of Jace, man. Like, like the he's the planeswalker as far as like magic lore goes for like for a lot of people because he was in I that first batch of cards. Love him or hate him, it's gonna be your number one for those reasons. You either really fucking love him or you really fucking hate him. But so yeah, he would be he would be the main guy. Yeah, yeah. Of the of the planeswalker card type, it was him and Chandra to me that were the icons at first. Oh, okay. They were they were the first two. You know, like blue and red at least. They were the ones that really hit big. Yeah. Gideon too, but Gideon really doesn't do much character wise. So and that's when I kind of came in, where it was just like, um, for sure, Jace, and then Gideon for like all like the soldier and knight ones, or Elspeth for yeah. the night for the knights. Yeah. So that's Magic Ten. Really good. I enjoyed it. That was dope. Takes me to Buckhead number two. Um, really digging this book. It's really great for a boombox book. Um, well, I mean, all boombox books are great. I don't mean to say it like that. They're actually really good. So, written by Shobo, art by George Cambadeus. Thank you. Letter by Jim Campbell. So, this is the one I was telling you about last time where the boy, he, he lives in Africa. He moves to the U.S. His dad's missing. He finds out that something's going on in his town. Everybody has like a weird tattoo on them. They all seem to be brainwashed. And he discovers an MMO game in his school, in the computer lab, where he goes in. It's like virtual reality, and his dad's in it. And this kind of goes into it. Now, we don't get a ton of answers. It does kind of dive us deeper into the conspiracy of it all. And it's really, really interesting. Uh, So there's not a lot I can really talk about as far as, like, answers go. But it does look like he has one ally, which is this girl he's been following the entire time. Because at the very end, she shows up to save him from the bad guys. So curious to see where this goes. It's really, really good. I, I don't mean to be brief on it, but there's not a lot to talk about without me diving too deeply into it. You know, so Buckhead. Yeah, Buckhead. Yeah. It's really good. Really, really, really good. So that takes us to our shared boom book of the week, which is Basilisk number six. I thought this was going to be the end. Right. right. And it was not. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, really digging it, though. So. Let's talk about Basilisk. Um, is Crave Team in the back here? It is, yeah. Written by Cullen Bunn. Illustrated by Jonas Scharf. Colored by Alex Gamares. And lettered by Ed Dukeshire. So, after we lost one of one of the Chimera, and we discovered that their power transfers over, but we, we thought it might transfer to all of them. Right, a sure It thing. doesn't seem to have happened that way. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems to have gone to one. So it's kind of like, why that one? You know, like, there's, there's thoughts here. Did he willingly give it to one of them? The closest one? The one? I mean, like, is he, because he seemed kind of. Oh, for sure. More he's more neutral. On, yeah, neutral yeah. her side, obviously helping her at least to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder how it actually works out. I think he trusted her, maybe. I don't know. But. This kind of leads to our 
next conflict where basically there's she's still determined to take out the bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Hannah is like, I'm still determined, although she doesn't have the advantage anymore, and she's basically walking into a trap. And she's trying to figure out exactly how to do it. And of course, the Chimera being the Chimera, murder a bunch of people to get their attention. And um, it was really interesting because the last issue we kind of saw, was it Kara? Is that her name? Kara? Yeah, little girl. We kind of were like, is she flipping a little bit? Is she kind of like regretting what they're doing? Yeah. We're jumping yeah, into, the, into the fray to just like murder. <laughs> I think she still looks at people as nothing. Yeah, it's just she's more concerned about the other chimera is the thing. Yeah, so. we also get to see uh, uh, her use her powers, the the eye powers. Oh yeah, um, and like to take out the group, which was really cool. Uh, Reagan, I think her name is Reagan. Yeah, um, so really cool. I'm really digging this. It definitely feels like it's building to an end, but we're not there yet. What do you think? Yeah, no, we were talking about how uh, we mentioned that we were thinking this is the end, but it seemed like. It kept popping up different factions or different factors that were actually very interesting. So it's kind of like I would actually would actually be pretty upset if it did if it had ended, uh, just because like yeah, like the whole following the cult following behind them was like really cool, like was pretty interesting. So I'm glad that we get more of that. Um, but even still, even then uh, with the with the protagonist, uh, it was cool getting the reveal on like she's almost doing this out of a sense of guilt, then more so revenge. And I, was like, I thought that was pretty interesting. Where it's kind of, it's still kind of fucked up, but yeah. But the that the opening sequence was kind of like, oh, so like, kind of, this is why it's impact is is impacting you more. So uh, it, was, it was a really good issue. Like I, I like that kind of like all the factions kind of met, met up were in the book. Yeah, definitely, and it was cool seeing her up there sniping. Yeah, just like she's such a legit badass for being just a normal person. You know, that's really cool. So. All right, now we're going to switch up publishers and we're going to talk about what comes after a boom. The Aftershock. Nice. Bylines in Blood, number one. Um, written by Erica Schultz and Van Jansen. Art by Anike and colored by Cardinal Ray. Now, here's the cover. And of course, because it's an Aftershock book. Ooh, ooh, yellow. I was not expecting yellow with that cover. No, me neither. When I flipped, I was like, ooh. Because um, there's this little bit of yellow on the cover right there. That's the only oh, yellow. Yeah. So it's a nice reflection. So we love us an Aftershock uh, inside covers page for those who don't know. So <laughs> um, this book is cool. Okay. So it's set in the near future. There's There's technology we don't quite have yet, but we're probably getting close to. And it's a private detective. They actually call her Lady Dick, which is great. Uh, so um, she used to be a journalist. Now she's a private detective. And the whole thing is her former editor with her when she was a journalist has been killed. And essentially, journalism has basically been erased in this world. It, it's got a kind of dystopian feel like that, where all independent thought, like as far as journalism go, has been wiped out. And so he's been trying to run a, some kind of like paper for free so people get real information and he's killed so and he's been going after the mayor really hard so she's currently in the in the process of investigating exactly what's going on it's really cool i'm really enjoying it right um what's really interesting is she sees the video of him and you can see i hope you can see it um he's just walking and then he's suddenly stabbed like he nothing hits him 
he's just suddenly stabbed and starts yeah. bleeding. She's trying to figure out what happened. And so, yeah, you go deeply into the investigation. It's really cool. Also deals with her home life a bit, which is fun. Um, there's also people who have personal drones that just follow them around and record everything that happens to them. Huh. So next, that's why I mean, level, like next level streaming yeah, broadcast. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, it's it's we're not quite there technology wise, but it's totally realistic. So, um, but yeah, and so she's just sitting there and she's trying to investigate, and it's raining out, and she's you know, and then the last page. This is a really good last page hook, I should say. Is she's just sitting there investigating, right? Yeah. But can you see it? Oh, ooh, that's cool. With the knife. Oh, it, it it totally appeared to me like as an actual phantom, and it, oh, that's actually a really yeah. cool way how it registered. Yeah, and then the next cover you can see. Oh so, damn! Okay. Yeah, I had a second look. I was like, "That's weird," and I was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> like, so it's just really cool, and also really great info pages on the back. Ooh, okay. So there's like a fake Wikipedia page. We love a, we love an info page on the show. Fake do, Wikipedia yeah. page, uh, newspaper headline. There's. Um, a fake advertisement for one of their products. Yeah. There's a police report. There's all kinds of stuff. It's just really cool. So I really thoroughly enjoyed this book. I'm 100% in. I will say this because it's Aftershock and I don't tend to read ever, like a billion Aftershock books. This is already on my radar for next year's awards. <laughs> like, Ooh, cool. like, so as far as the Aftershock book of the year goes, I really enjoyed it. So. Yep. All right. Now we're going to switch up and Josue is going to talk to us. For a record-setting fourth week in a row. Yes. About Odin's eye from Bad Idea. They are pumping these babies out. But the good news is, because I was a good Bad Idea sucker boy and got the sticker, these $8 issues have been free. So, yay! Uh, so, and this one. Last one, last time we checked, um, Solvig and Gavgu, uh, Gravgu. I'll get his name in a second. The Eskimo Survivor, they were about to be uh, mauled over by uh, trolls, and Oli uh, finally uh, shows up to the rescue. And then we actually get a sense of a, an actual time, uh, a sense of time of uh, how long time has passed since then. And it's been about two years, because he, reca- he recaps us on his side of the story. He, was, he miraculous, miraculously survived uh, that last attack from the people who took Solvig away and just ended up burning off with the whole uh, fellowship then, the whole troop. And he made his way and he found this old, like, like sage because he, he walks him, he walks him to, like, she kind of describes it as, um, she thinks it's almost like Valhalla. It's like the All Father's, like, mead hall, but it wasn't as extravagant as, like, how she saw it in one of her visions. And when, she, uh, when they go inside, he explains, uh, it's like, oh, there's someone else here. And it's this lady who is just like just in, in a vegetable state. She was just not responsive at all. He describes that like he has to like like bird feed her because she's just like completely out of it. She was an old sage, and like the and she had this uh the powder that would make her. The, she was basically the one that that got to like first throw like a little sparkle onto Solving so she can like go into like in those vision states and kind of cause like the fits. But for at least like mm-hmm. so she can have like, a sense of communication to uh, the quest. So what happened is that he rescued her from uh, other uh, like wild folk that just snatched up the powder and was just getting super fucking high off of it. And he shows up uh, to the rescue and he kind of like oh, brings her uh, brings her over 
uh, into this temple. And I, I guess like he kind of almost like succumbs a little bit. He takes it like a little bit for almost like he just trips out for like the night. And it's almost like the, like what he needed to just calm down. And I guess like after that, he was fine. But like, I guess like, he needed to kind of be able to see like at least a path to either go home or go find Solvig. And sure enough, that's when uh, he saw the vision of like the whole like troll situation happening. So that's kind of now how the the, the cra- uh, paths cross. Oh, and but and the reason why this person is also just like so out of it, just in the meditative state, is that um, they kept trying to uh, tap into like the pattern over and over again. She she used to never just uh, take as much as like like the, those people were. It wasn't just like a recreational powder it was very much for like a spiritual ritual uh to be able to tap onto the other side so they kept doing it over and over now at this point to be able to uh find her and every single time what happens is that you tap into all the all the other eight realms at the same time so every time you go you kind of go a little bit too far and they they just lost their path and they kind of they at some point they never they never return so that's why they're kind of just like like that, and, and both um, only has had to take care of her. Um, but now, now that everybody's together, um, we set up the camp one last time, and it just ends up tomorrow. Like, what is it? Because like, they they reference like, oh, have you kept track of like uh, what day it is? And Oli's like, no, I've tried to, but like, no, at this point, at this point, I've forgotten. But it really feels like it's a uh, it's all Father's Day, which I guess it's it's Sunday. Um, we'll 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 set we'll set out for tomorrow. That, that's what I'll. I'll all journey really really starts so shit okay and it's been getting kind of interesting and one last thing she's been talking to the fire like solvig has been talking to the fire because it's the only way she sees her parents it's kind of weird but at least at this point with this issue she's able to find some sort of uh closure because she's kind of mostly running away from it nice one issue left right uh i believe so yeah hmm interesting yeah it's been it's been really interesting for like a like a savage Viking story or a quest in this way. It was, it wasn't as gory as it wasn't like barbaric, bar, barbaric savage. Uh, but it's uh, in its own Viking story. It's, it's something I haven't really read before. It was like in a while in, in this way. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Now we're going to switch up publishers and we're going to talk about Titan comics. Nice. And me and Josue have been waiting quite a while for this one. Horizon Zero Dawn number four. Yes. Written by Ann Toole. Stories by Ben McCaw. Script editing by Annie Katane. Colors by Elmer Damaso. Colors by, or artist by Elmer Damaso. Colors by Brian Valenza and Stelladia. And letter by Jim Campbell. So the good news is, uh, for those who don't know, I have played Horizon Zero Dawn all the yes. way through. I platinumed it, so yes. I now I now went back and read this series, and it makes a lot of more sense to me. Oh my god! Um, maybe we we'll just—I I really for sure want to. I'm going to replay it like very very soon on my streams. Yeah, um, I love Aaron. He is incredible. Yep. <laughs> um, he's just adorable, and he's just the best. Like I love him so much. So, um, but yeah, so this is this takes on a different tone when you play through the game because you met his sister mm-hmm. briefly and to get to see her be a badass for this series is really really like um what's the therapeutic yeah because when you play the game you're like oh is that it and you're like oh but there's so much promise with this character and now we get to see that promise, which was really cool. So this does wrap up the story so it was really good timing on my part. Mm-hmm. Um 
But yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed this going back on it. Um, I also went back and reread the original one, the Sunhawk one. Oh, okay, which, yeah. Which is about your mentor with the Hunter's Lodge. And I fucking loved her too. Yeah, that made me appreciate that even more. So I'm really enjoyed both of these. Um, and this is a really great end, and I'm, I dig it. And just Aaron, just Aaron, he's so cute. Anyways, what do you think, Osmer? <laughs> Aaron is definitely a character that, that turned on me. I, when I, when you first encounter him, I thought he was just gonna be like the smug guy that has a position, so he knows a how little to sleazy. And he, a little yeah, a little sleazy. sleazy. He knows how to wield that that authority. But then you meet him, he's just like this goofball, and I was like, he really grew on me in the game, and it's like, wow, I really misjudged you, and I'm very sorry. And in this book, it just it just, just paints such a the same picture, but just so much more depth to it. And above all, just Ersa, just oh my god, what a badass throughout, throughout the whole book. But here, because one of the things that really bothered me, because honestly, didn't mind like don't mind like the acting throughout Horizon, except for uh, the Sun King, like the uh, Avad. When he gets asked, it's like, oh shit! So how was it killing your brother to take over the mantle? He gives this such weird answer where he's just like, oh, you're supposed to be the good guy, but that was Vegas fuck where now I don't, I'm not 100% about you. And now I, now I know why. And it's yeah. like, it, it made me love that answer so much more, dude. It, it might have been bad acting, but the way it's answered now, it's probably one of my favorite lines because now I know the full context. And God damn, it was such a good story. Yeah. And he, um, it puts his relationship with Ursa into better perspective too. Yes. With the interaction where he mistakes Aloy for Ursa, you know, and uh-huh. she's like, don't do that again. I thought it was really out of nowhere how offended she was by it and everything like that. But then it's just really cool to see that in perspective. So I just, yeah, this fills in a really nice story gap. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would like to see, and maybe they have to wait for the next book to come out because, I mean, the next game to come out because who knows what that story is going to be. Sure. I want to see a Silence prequel story. Oh, man. Because we know he went up to the north. We know he was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And just to see him travel around, that'd be so cool. Like, I was yeah. really it's, it's, it's like, are we rooting for the story? But obviously we have to root for something here. No, I, I, I would totally buy into it. Yeah, that'd be great. So These have just been Good. very solid books for a video game like comic book, which is like, don't really get a lot of love or recognition. But this has just been such good feels towards, like, just... It's like the, the synergy between both media is just really good. What's funny is I remember when we um, when we were covering Comic Con a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and the Titan Comics panel was up, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll watch it." We don't really read any Titan comics, and I watched it. And I'm like, "Oh, they got the Horizon Zero Dawn rights. Dope. That's cool. Maybe we'll get some good comics out of it." And then <laughs> we got this, and it's amazing. So, what a great payoff! So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about Image. We have a couple books to talk about. Uh, as always, we like to alternate with Image when we have independence, so I will start with Frontiersman number four. Um, written by Patrick Kinlan, art by Marco Ferrari, letter by Jim Campbell. Um, so in the previous one, he killed one of his former teammates who is basically the their version of Captain America, who, but who had been corrupted basically by the right. Right. Um, and so he had killed him on national TV. Everybody saw it, but he's still up in the tree doing the protest. You know, he doesn't want the tree cut down and stuff. And they're telling him to get down. He's like, absolutely not. Basically. <laughs> like, so they're like, you just killed the guy. And he's like, I know, but I'm not getting down. They're like, we'll arrest you. He's like, you're welcome to arrest me basically. <laughs> so, um, 
And what happens is, as he's sitting up in this tree, he keeps getting, uh, he keeps getting uh, old friends show up, right? Well, the next one shows up, and this is her. Oh, wow. Now, just to put it in perspective, that's him. Oh, my God. Wow. So she can change size. Okay. And they're talking back and forth. And she used to be a bad guy and then was a good guy. She's kind of gone back and forth. And so they fought in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about her complicated relationship with the law and like everything. And keep in mind, they're still on national television at this point. And um, <laughs> they're, they're just sitting there talking. And they talked about like... Um, the time they spent together in the past. And that's when we get this scene. Oh my God. Which involves. I'll just let you look at the sizes. Jeez. Yeah. And that shot. Wait, where is it? Hell yeah. Fucking. <laughs> so Amazing. the two of them, the two of them were intimate. And he talks about that, you know, it's just like, she basically says, why did you disappear? Why did you stop being a superhero? And he's like, oh, I had to retire. He's like, or she's like, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell anybody. Or she's like, did you tell anybody? He's like, well, yeah, I told a couple people. She's like, have you been talking to them? She's like, he's like, yeah. And she's like, why didn't you talk to me? And she's like, you know, she basically is like jealous of what's going on. Right. And he says, maybe I was afraid you only wanted to sleep with me when I was frontiersman. And then it cuts to her taking her boobie out <laughs> on top of him saying, men are so stupid. Now, this is on television. This is live feed on television. <laughs> That's where the issue ends. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, I really I'm, I love this book. It's built in its own like, like uh, superhero universe so well. And I really enjoy it. Like, it was such a surprise to me because I remember looking at it and being like, I guess, you know, maybe. I remember it was a light week. I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. Now it's like really good. It's really funny. And like, there's a lot of little digs about modern superhero comics and, and also like golden age superhero comics. Like, I love it. So good stuff. Frontiersman. Uh, next up, Hosway, talk to me about Two Moons, number eight. Yes. Two Moons, number eight, written by John Arcudi, artist Valerio Giangiorandando. And colors by Jeremy Cox, letters by Michael Heisler. This is Ghost War Part 3. Remember that. So, it opens up with uh, two moons back when he was a kid. And I guess he was his grandpa. He's with the chief. Could be like his grandpa, but it's probably like the chief. And it's almost like a lesson. And they're out in the, the, in the canyons, down the desert. And he asks him, like, what do you see, two moons? And the first thing that he replies is, uh, why, why do you keep calling me two moons? My, or my name is Virgil Morris. Why do you call me two moons? And this dude's just like straight up just checks. It was like, bro, I get that you're like, mom is like, why? And your parents are as your dad's from this side, but you're still fucking two moons. Like, there's a reason why you're called this way. Um, but sure. And so it's like, it's, it, it kind of shows like his struggle on like that duality. He had to like kind of like go through on like, and he how he grew up to be Virgil Morris, how from what we how we knew him in the in the beginning. But he was, but um, anyway, he's just like, 
no, and I don't like I don't care like well, what you actually see about the physicality of how many there are out there. No, tell me what you see. Tell me what this means, as in like just for for the stuff that they believe in. And then it comes to the present. It comes to the present. Now, at first, we don't see the uh, we just cut to the aftermath from the ending of the last issue, which was like all those um, those meteorites that, that were impacting. And out were coming out a bunch of dead Native American bodies, just like reanimated bodies, just coming for his savagery. So Two Moons and his partner, um, trying to blink right now where his name is at, but they're just like they're scanning the bodies and like uh, just kind of scoping out what exactly like happened. And again, coming back to what do you see and like what what does this really mean and how they can actually interpret it. Uh, we got we got to back to the town and some of the survivors are just went fucking ape shit like there's a couple of dudes went down that's because one guy that was that just couldn't handle last night um got out of his cell and he's just like gunning at the lady and just like clicking at his pistol and just like just thinking everybody's a monster so um people aren't doing well um and now we actually get some backstory on what happened that previous night and yeah it is just a oh, just native americans just like like in the, it's like and in their undead form, just being com- completely just being uh, in a savagery like berserk form, just killing everybody, and it sucks because like it does. They just they do leave just the black troops behind, and there's like the the, the one the one uh, the the white general he does care, but it's also like in the spur of the moment that it was just fighter or fight or flight and if we were they were definitely all gonna die, so they left the one dude behind like they couldn't get like the proper burial. And it was fucked up. Um, so the thing is that they think he died, and he gets found in the next morning. So cool. The uh, we got one survivor, and the the general and some of the survivors that did get to ride on horseback. They they try to make it back into town. We don't get to see what happens to them, but uh, then it, but it does cut back to two moons and just like uh, he's trying to make it back to uh, Chief Little Knife. That is he's starting to figure out that he's kind of the one that orchestrated for all this to happen on purpose for him to be captured and being taken over or taken over to where he's going to be taken to so that all the shit can lead uh, to there. Um, now, one last thing uh, is that, uh, and now, so for this night, some of the, um, I guess it's from like the, the racist group. They're, they're kind of like all like uh, celebrating that a lot of the troops died and kind of like their leader takes a, takes a walk to just go take a piss. And the that one other guy that entered this uh, fo- this volume, the uh, the native with like that pale white, like the, the, the pale painted face, sneaks up on him, slits his throat, leaves him to die, and just like says some like some some cool arm and shit. And just like okay, he's maybe the antagonist here. And now it's like the next morning, and two moons is looking over again another field of buffaloes and he gets that what do you see and out of nowhere this locomotive this train is parked or going through in the middle of all of these buffaloes and it cuts to it's literally this ghost train a bunch of just Mm. skeletal people but they're all like like one of them has like a cool mustache uh rocking out and it's almost like oh we're here and they just start blasting bullets and when they're hitting buffaloes i'm I'm still I'm still not aware if they're hitting the live buffaloes because every time they hit one, 
it just goes into that skeletal form, but blood does come out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if they're just there for like a killing spree or if this is just almost like like an echo that, that, that that's happened before and there used to be a train here. But again, the monologue here is uh, now it's being directed to Two Moons. What do you see? And it comes in the last page. It's the guy with the pale face. And he, and, um, and he just says it directed to Two Moons. Is, is this the world you must live in? The world that must be? Can you imagine another? Close your eyes. Look again and tell me. What do you see? Father. It's like, holy, because again, 20 years has happened between volume one and volume two. So it's like, oh, I was not seeing that one coming. And again, like the whole ghost war thing, because we had those, the ones that reanimated from the ground. And now there's a ghost train in this ghost war. So it's like, the story is getting so big. And I fucking love two movies. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm loving the direction it's taken. It's really cool. Nice. Next book, Ordinary Gods, number six. Uh, this is a cool wraparound cover, so I'll fold it out so you can see it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this is the one with the the entities hidden in human bodies uh, that are like have been legendary people throughout time, like Stalin. Yes. Um, being reawakened and brought back together. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark. Art by Felipe Watanabe. Colorist by Frank William. And lettering by Clayton Cowles. So the whole team has gotten together, except for one. Uh, the last one that needs to be found. Um, I want to say it's the Prodigy. Uh, I'll, I'll double check. Uh, yeah, it is the Prodigy, which seems to be like an attractive female influencer who has a bunch of guards around her. And the whole point is, again, to awaken them, you have to touch them. You have to be one of the gods and you have to touch them and it awakens the memories you have from previous lives together, right? And they actually put uh, the young kid, the main character of this, in charge. Um, he did, they decide he's the leader because his role is actually the leader, right? So his name is Chris, and he, he has to come up with a plan on how to get in there. And he says, well, let's start with the distraction. If we do this right, they'll never see us coming. And they set off this explosion. And then immediately the guards say, it's a distraction. They're coming. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. So they do this whole thing. Um, they're attacking, and... They're trying to get her down into a panic room, and it shows all the different, um, all the different you know entities doing different things around trying to get to her, right? And they're trying to get the girl down into a panic room so she doesn't get touched, and um, she's about to go down, and a little dog walks up, and you're like, "Oh, I forgot one of the entities was a dog. That was the plan all along. Everything was the distraction to get the dog to her." She touches it and it reawakens everything in her. And then she goes insane and starts beating the shit out of people because they made a point last issue. Like it gets crazy when this one's awakened. Like that's why we save her for last. Like, so yeah, they get into a, an awesome fight. Um, they were, they're able to awaken her and yeah, basically everybody is awakened. Now we get to see where we're going to go from here. I'm really digging it. It's really cool. I want to see what's the point now. Now that they're all awake and where do we go, you know, so. Um, but really, really good. I'm really enjoying that book. And it's yet another college. So. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Now let's talk about the books we share. This way, Noctera Blacktop Bill Special. Yes. Uh, I fucked up. My... What? I didn't get the, I got the variant. I got that. Oh, that's cool. No, I, I wanted the black one with the teeth. 
Oh, I didn't see that one. I mean, that was the cover eight. Was that, is that cover A? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, god damn. Now I'm even more pissed. It was a different variant. I could have gotten it. <laughs> okay, so um, obviously, it's been a while since we talked about Noctera. They must be on yeah. the hiatus. But I'm happy to get back to it. Written by Scott Steiner and Tony S. Daniel. Drawn or pencils by Dennis Cowan. Inked by Kent Williams. Colored by Chris Sotomayor. And letter by And World. So this is the origin of Blacktop Bill. And it's done in kind of a... It's funny because it's Scott Snyder. It's done in kind of a Joker origin way. Where uh-huh. you're like, is this his origin? <laughs> is this just a story? It's really interesting. So, um, But it's really cool and it's really grim. But, and it also gives... Considering he's the main antagonist of the book, we know almost nothing about him. Right. So it's really cool to actually get some detail uh, about him. So really cool. Like I said, very grim. And it's cool to see like the 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 happening that, you know, when the sun goes out, basically. It's cool to see that from a different character's perspective mm-hmm. who reacts very differently to it. So, yeah. Um, so what do you think about this? Um, I liked it because it was just very Scott Snyder when I really like Scott Snyder, if that makes sense. Um, And it was definitely that, like, filling in the gaps for Blacktop Bill and, like, raising the stakes of, like, next time he does show up or on the reread for for Noctera Volume 1, it's just like, oh, fuck, okay, now I know this guy. It's it's meant and it's shown that he means business, but, like, now that I know, like, his motives are just violence and it's like, oof, like, that menacing factor is just now really there. Yeah, and like the whole thing where before, before where what he was doing before with the blessed people, yeah. the survivors, how he corrects these things, <laughs> and it's like holy shit, that's deep. Like, and he's just an insane person, and now he's in this world, and that's terrifying. So yeah, really cool. I I like seeing his perspective. So yeah, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. I can't wait for Noctera to come back now. So, uh, finally, last image book is a thing called Truth Number Three. What cover did you get? Uh, a, I wanted the wraparound of this. You did? Ah, uh, it's not, she's not there. Ah, uh, she's not yeah. there for me. And I really wanted and that one. It's, it's a virgin wraparound. Oh, it is. So, cool. Yeah. Love this book. All right. Uh, you guys should know by now we absolutely love this book and love this creative team written by Yolanda Zanfardino as well as Letter Buyer and art by Elisa Romboli. Um, this, of course, is the wild and wacky road trip between these mix and match partners, the stuffy doctor who only cares about her work well, and people. I mean, does not just her work. And then just her wild and outgoing um, road trip partner <laughs> who just wants to explore and go to all these places her brother never got a chance to visit. And this is the one because the first issue was to introduce the doctor. The second issue was to introduce the second character. Um, this is the first time we really see them like interacting, not as we're getting to know each other, but interacting as how their their back and forth should go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I really am loving this book. I like the um, I'm trying to figure out the right word for it. There's a word in wrestling for it, uh, where it's like um partners that shouldn't work but do you know what i mean like (laughs) and so um 
but I'm really digging it. I, I love it. I love the art. I absolutely love uh, one thing we talk about sometimes on the show is the apparel, the attire for oh my God. what they yes. wear. And I think that's really well done. I also like how it doesn't have to be realistic, the art. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when we get fun cartoony stuff like this, which we did see in Alice in Leatherland. Right. Yeah. And it's just a lot of fun. Um, I This page... Oh, I know. <laughs> this like, one when, is the one that really won me over after that. Was uh, this outfit change? Oh, oh yeah. my god, I did. I love her in this one. Yeah, definitely. It's just been it's just been a really great book, and like I said, um, we just I've really enjoyed how they write romance, or not not even romance. That's not even the word for it, but like relationship. You know, especially Alice and Leatherland was two people who knew each other, worked together. That would develop into a romantic relationship. This is two strangers, you know, and it's just really interesting to see that. Also, um, just her reenacting all the, the all the film scenes is just a lot of fun. Um, it made me want to travel. God, do I miss traveling? Yeah, like like so. Um, and it's also got a heart to it, like with her and her missing brother and everything. And we're slowly revolving around the fact that she's. You know what we were kind of talking about—that she's a doctor who could prevent, who's working to prevent diseases, yeah. which might have included the disease that killed the other girl's brother. Uh, it's just—it's really interesting, and I'm really digging it. Uh, so, what what are you thinking? Uh, no, I, I really do like that. Are, these are like actually perfect strangers, and they don't make it—you paint it as in like, oh, will they? Won't they? But they could not be having like the most opposite of conversations, or just like at least like right now, like their sense of uh, self-esteem is just like all over the place and it's just like not in sync and it's just like it could easily just not work in real life but it's like obviously like we're gonna get to an ending here uh so i just i really like how yeah the first issue was for the doctor second issue was for her and now this one was just like well now that's put them together and it's just like they're not just they're not meshing and so i, li- I like that conflict in the story and then and at first it's like when she first started acting or when uh, she's first first started playing the scene in Rome, and it's like you get that cough, and it's like, uh oh. But it's like, oh, she's just clearing her throat. But then there's a second cough later, and it's like, oh no. <laughs> and I don't like that. <laughs> and also, she cheated, right. and it's like, I, oh my god, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I want to see where it goes. I love this um, one too. There's a lot of really cool layers to it. So Very. I'm really enjoying that. So yeah. All right, now we're going to switch over to DC, the distinguished competitor themselves. And we got a couple DC books. It's actually a really light DC week for me. Um, but I do have a couple solos. Detective Comics 1047. This is the one with the model picture we were talking about that I thought was like an Sick. audio drama. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so this was really, really cool. I can't wait to talk about it. Creative team. Mariko Tamaki writing. Ivan Reese penciling. Danny Miki inking. Brad Anderson coloring, Ariana Mayer lettering. So everything has been building up to Arkham Tower, the new Arkham uh, Asylum, which is a tower in the middle of Arkham or Arkham um, in Gotham, excuse me, city. And so basically, what we're finding out is that it's working. Like they they revealed Nero nineteen, who is the guy who tried to kill uh, Mayor Nakano, and he seems to be completely reformed. They take his handcuffs off, and he's like. I feel good. I don't know what else to say. He's like, 
you know, and then the doctor is helping him is like, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're good. He's like, I am too. Thank you. And it's like, oh, wow, this is working really well, right? And then it's like, they're like, everything seems to be going good. They show um, Anna from the last issue, the the Bat, Batwoman villain. Yeah. And how she's like doing, uh, she's putting together like crafts and stuff. And she's like, oh, yes. Can I have some pasty? You know, I want to put this together. And then it cuts Arkham Tower, day 24. The police are outside. Something's going on. Holy shit. And it's like, they're trying to figure out what there's a hostage situation. And it cuts forward. And basically, it's one of those ones where they're showing us the end of the story. And then we're going to build to it. So stuff like Nightwing, do you copy? I need to know you're still alive. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyone get this? Who is in the tower? Steph? No one's responding, basically. (sighs) The only people we know who are up are Oracle and Batwoman are on the outside. And then we cut to Anna again. Just tra-la-la lying down there. And this is so much more terrifying looking than anything the Joker's ever done than me for me. (laughs) Um, And basically they're just trying to get they toss the doctor out the window like to his death. So it's kind of like, what the fuck? We find out they chopped off one of his fingers probably to access different doors and stuff is what I'm thinking. We also see Cass on the outside eventually. And um, yeah, and that's where it cuts. And it says next, the next chapter is called What the Hell Happened? So that's going to be interesting. I know from what I read, this is supposed to last a full year, this arc. So I'm very excited about that. There's also a great backup story at the end of it. Uh, That's like a flashback Joker tale. Um, And it's called House of Gotham. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Fernando Blanco, colors by Jordi Belair, and letter by Rob Lay. Where there's a little boy, and he's just hanging out with his parents, and the Joker shows up, and the Joker knocks on the door. This is the peephole shot. They hide the kid, and Joker kills both parents with an axe in front of the kid. The kid's hiding and sees it. Kid comes out, uh, or kid's about to come out to, he pulls a gun, actually. The kid finds a gun. He's about to come out and kill the Joker when Batman shows up. And Joker takes off, and basically the kid blames Batman as well. And Batman's like, no, I'm trying to stop that guy. But the kid's convinced that Batman's wrong. They're trying to find a place for the kid, and they can't find a place to take him. And then what is kind of a leap of, like, I think it's kind of lame. Not lame, but, like, weird logic on Gotham PD part, but also at the same time, Gotham PD is terrible. Um, They can't find anyone else to take him, so they just put, put him in Arkham Asylum. (laughs) so at least for the weekend or something they're going to take good care of you at arkham and so that's going to be interesting to see where that goes all right uh next dc book is superman son of kal-el number six yeah with our favorite bye boy john kent uh so this one uh, this one had some fun fun uh, surprises. Written by Tom Taylor. Art by John Timms. Colored by Hi-Fi and lettered by Dave Sharp. Now, I've talked about this on the show in the past. Me and Liz have very strong opinions about Superboy and Robins. <laughs> and um, we all agree that Connor and Tim were clearly lovers. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. They were, they were lovers. Um, but this is John, not Connor. And John and his boyfriend has uh can walk through walls and stuff has powers uh his boyfriend's trying to break in to this place to get some information for the um 
for the uh, article he's writing, right? And um, he, uh, uh, so his name is Jay, just so I'm making easy because he doesn't have a code name yet, I don't think. Uh, he breaks in and he sees a bunch of dudes unconscious. And keep in mind, Superboy's not with him. Superman's not with him. He's by himself. And someone swings at him. And who is it? It's Tim Drake. And he phases through it. They get in a fight. And Tim's like, what the hell? He's like, yeah, you can't hurt me. And then he's like, I'll find a way. He's like, wait, I'm a friend of John Kent. And then Tim says, I'm a friend of John Kent. He doesn't have any others. And Jay goes, he does now. And I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Lois shows up and Tim's like, Lois? He's like, do I know you? Like to, to, to Jay. He's like, it's me, Jay. She, she's like, oh, she's like, you're both here for John, aren't you? That's very sweet. It's like, uh-huh. And then there's this whole feeling of like, Tim's jealous. Tim's 100%. And now Tim's out. Now Tim's by as well. So I'm like, right. Tim's 100% jealous. And Tim's grinning and Superboy, Superman's like, what? He goes, what? He goes, can you stop grinning? It's a little disconcerting coming from you. He's like, so Jay's the head of the truth. Impressive. He's like, you know, I'm on my way to being the greatest detective in the world. And I'm also your best friend and quite receptive. He goes, and he goes, I'm really happy for you, man. And gives him a punch to the arm. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're jealous, you little bitch. <laughs> you're jealous. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, they fi- they stop a an attempt to kidnap a bunch of people and turn them into superpower. Because that's the arc here. This is a bunch of young people being taken and given superpowers against their will. So really cool. Really love it. I just absolutely love the J, Tim, John stuff. Because I just substitute John in for Connor in my head for that purpose. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Last solo book, Ho Sway. You need to pick up Dark Knights of Steel. I saw it and it's like, oh, soon. It's so good. Written by Tom Taylor, art by Yasmin Putri, colored by Arif Prianto, and letter by Wes Abbott. Let's catch up where we, what happened. Mm-hmm. So, there's, from what we understand so far, there are three kingdoms. There is. The House of L, which is, of course, Superman's family, which used to be a kingdom ran by Batman's family, by the way. Okay. Uh, but but they took over. There's the second one, which is the House of Storms, which is Black Lightning and his family. And the other one we know of is Themyscira, which uh-huh. is Themyscira. So, what happened recently is someone from Black Lightning's kingdom killed Superman's dad. Well, well Green Arrow did it, basically, with the Kryptonite Arrow, essentially. Then Supergirl, who is Wonder Woman's lover in this world, which is just amazing, uh, leaves Themyscira, goes to Black Lightning's home, kills his oldest son in retribution. That's where we left off. Okay. This is so good, dude. Um, Basically, um, they find out what's going on, and um, a star falls. A green star falls from the sky. And they have to go find out what it is. So Batman and his his knights decide to go look for it. This is when we're introduced to a fourth kingdom, which is the House of Magnus, which is the guy who created the Metal Men. Oh. Dr. Magnus and his knights, the Metal Men. Huh. So they show up. And who's there? That's Supergirl. And she's like, hey, and, he, and this landed on Magnus Lands, by the way. And he's like, oh, by the way, her name is Zala, not Kara. 
just I'll call if I call her Kara, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um but so one one of the metal men's like, what was the House of L one on Magnus Land? She's like, this won't be Magnus Lands much longer. And then she proceeds to murder the lot of them by herself. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And so we cut to Themyscira where they find out, hey, shit's going down. Then uh Black Lightning and his retinue show up on uh Themyscira to meet with the Amazons to figure out what the fuck's going on. He's on he's on the boat. He takes one step off the boat and they pull swords on him. Cause no man can step on Themyscira. Which is such a cool idea. Um they basically he he steps back, they're like, alright. And they're trying to figure out what's going on, because there's an alliance between Themyscira and the Kingdom of Storms. But Kara, Zala, was a, was someone from Themyscira technically. And she killed one of them, so they're trying to figure out how they're gonna how they're gonna negotiate this. And in the end, Hippolyta has or Hippolyta has to basically stick with the promise they made to support Kingdom of Storms, which causes Diana to leave because her lover's on the other side, and she takes off on her own. Uh, later on, when Jefferson and his people are on their way back home they see Kara waiting for them. And he's like, I've been waiting for you. You're not going to catch me off guard. And we get this awesome fight between the two of them. And she goes into water. She zooms out. He's calling out orders. And then black lightning is stabbed through the chest. No fucking way. Yeah. So she takes him out. Constantine's there. Cause he's, you know, black Lightning's second command. Uh-huh. And he's like, listen to me, Anissa is queen now, she will need you. Fight. This world can be it can be so beautiful. Don't let them take it. And that's when Bruce, we cut to Bruce and his knights, they finally find the falling star and they find all the all the metal men dead, right? And Bruce and Alfred find the fallen star, which is clearly kryptonite, right? Uh-huh. And Bruce swoons. He loses like he lo- he basically loses consciousness coming around the kryptonite. But Alfred picks it up. And Bruce says, it didn't affect you. He's like, no, it didn't. He's like, Bruce says, I think it hurt because of who I am, who I really am. Alfred, I need to tell you. Alfred says, it's all right, son. I know. I know all of it. It's time you learn the truth, Bruce. I think Bruce is Monel or not Monel, um, um, Clark, Clark's father, the king, the dead yeah. king. I think he's his illegitimate son. He's Hamiltonian. This shit's so good, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that's good as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just loving it. So, pick up the steel. It it is a 12 issue, so it'll be a really nice hardback when it's done. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll be be able to look out for that. Which brings us to our final DC book, which is Crushing Lobo number eight. I did go deluxe cover for this one. I saw it. Yeah, it's a good one. It was also the only one left. This went pretty quick. So, written by Marika Tamaki, art by Amanke Nalhopan, uh, colors by Tamara Bonville, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Um, so this wraps up this book. And uh, looking back on it, I mean, I could definitely see where it's not the ending some people would have wanted, including myself. But I also see that maybe there's more story to tell. So yeah, that's fine. You know, <laughs> like, um, but we do get kind of a reconciliation between Lobo and Crush mm-hmm. where they end up on the same side but it's also very clear they're very different people yeah oh yeah 
And it definitely repaints the warden of the prison to be the bad guy of the series, essentially. Um, and just Crush is amazing throughout this. And they just wreck everything together. But they also, in the end, don't trust each other, which is really interesting. So, um, The big question that we, we know we're wondering about is, does she get back together with her girlfriend, Katie? Which, the answer is maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she does. Uh, but in the end, Crush is now an intergalactic bounty hunter, and she teams up with her boys, the Space Lizards, <laughs> and they're off to, to get some parolees and turn them in. So I thought this was a good ending. I really enjoyed it. This has been a really great series. Like, if anything, if it's going to be like an ending like this, I would really like a Mariko Tamaki Crush trilogy series. Yes. Yeah. With like this kind of ending, like if it's just like the start of like not really an ending to something, but a start to something else, I would like a, a Tamaki uh, trilogy, Crush trilogy. Yeah, as long as this is not the last we've seen of Katie. I'm yeah. Because Katie's adorable and amazing, amazing, and I love her. So, But yeah, really good stuff. I really enjoyed it. Anything else you want to talk about it? Uh, no, it was, it was definitely fun. You can definitely see like how very different these two people are, or how much Crush just wants to just like distance him, uh, herself away from like everything that Lobo is. But it's just like she's the only other person of like that. So it's like, it's like she's got the fucking chip on her shoulder. But god damn it, she's just amazing. Like so many yeah. great, so many great face shots. This one. Oh yeah. So she has so many great panels. I like the bit about, of course, Lobo had to get naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like that's one of the best bits. I love that. So. Yeah, really good. I really enjoyed it. I want Crush to do more. I really want them to do more with Crush. Me too. Because she even said, she even mentions like, uh, like bring up the Titans again. And even that was unsure. It's like to to we come back to Earth. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully, she'll be back sooner or later, or she'll get her own series, which would yeah. be really cool. So, all right, time to switch over and time to Marvel. We're gonna start talking about Marvel books and Josue. Mm-hmm. Are you caught up with Amazing Spider-Man? I am finally caught up with the Amazing All Spider-Man. Right, let's talk about the newest issue. Let's go. <laughs> okay, I need to go back to last week's issue that I really wanted to catch up for it because of like a, the apparent uh, epic, uh, really cool uh, Captain America moment. And I just fucking loved it. So I'll be talking about a little bit about 83 and actually 84 that came out this week, which will be 885. Um, both. No, no, sorry. So the last issue was actually really cool because it was... Um, part of the brain trust and i'm really i'm really hoping they when it's their turn they can actually stick it to this way but it was uh patrick gleason wrote andrew uh that last issue so and this one is catching up with peter parker and now that, he, now that he's woken up he's going through his uh, uh physical therapy okay um and uh he's, so peter parker's going through his physical therapy and he's so out of it not really wanting to He's, I think he might have been a little bit doped up on some hospital drugs because he goes on a shopping spree and he orders, I'll, I'll just list it off. Congratulations, you're the highest auction bidder to, like, on Matcho Theories 94 BattleCon 07 cosplay lot. You have opted for a premium overnight shipping of one Battle Damage Spider-Man costume, one replica web shooter condition used as is, and one officially licensed Threats and Menaces JJJ Bobblehead with autograph and COA. And I also believe that there's a, he ordered some sort of a, a Greg, the, the shark, 
plushie because there's a little picture of it. So he really starts freaking out on the pressure on like, yeah, who could the fuck afford any of this, all of this, especially being the highest bidder. Uh, he goes into the state and it's like one last almost like comatose state episode that he gets. Um, and it, it's, actually, it's actually really freaky, but it's actually really cool where it's like only Patrick Gleason can do this, especially if he got in his uh, really cool black and white variants. So anyway, he gets his packages and it was really almost like his subconscious was telling him to go to his comfort zone. And it's just, uh, yeah, he gets it's, it's a shitty costume, but at least he's rocking it. Uh, so with this shitty costume, he realizes, okay, I just want to go fight at least one crime. <laughs> and of course he's got a shitty costume and those replica web shooters. And he, a long flies by a petty theft, a, a, a grand theft auto two really stupid, uh, criminals, uh, stole a car easy for him. Cakewalk, even in this condition, he flops up everything. He jumps in front of the car and he's about to whip. Except out come out the speakers, go webs go, oh yeah, and he hits the fucking car. <laughs> so he's gonna leave a bad review to uh the person who he bought um all the shit from eBay from. So <laughs> he is not doing well. He's literally getting his ass kicked by these two just nimrods. And but then he sees a shadow, and who is it? This is where I enter our boy Cap. <laughs> and then we we get a classic uh Peter Parker mo- Spider Man monologue. Because like, oh yeah, him, he makes way more sense. Unlike my spider sense, which isn't warning me about the gun. And at this point, Cap kicks the kicks lady as she pops one, the bullet, which is about three inches from his face. Or Captain America's glorious made in the US of A as a, as a shield is breaking the bullet because Cap is awesome that way. Shield, as a shield impacts his face. <laughs> Full on Cap throw. <laughs> and it goes... As he picks, as he picks him, I was like, "Sorry, kid. I'm so sorry. I just thought, you know, as Peter Pax passes out, you usually duck. <laughs> he has no idea. Spider Man is just completely out of it. I was so confident. It's like, oh, I got that bullet, and he's gonna move. It's like it's a t- classic team up, and just nails Spider Man right in the fucking head. It was awesome. I loved it so much. Classic Parker luck. Um, and you get a panel like this, which is terrifyingly awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Only Patrick Gleason can do that. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, then, so, this week's uh, issue, 84, 885, it's uh, Doc Ock has been helping out, and he, it's kind of a more of a cat and mouse situation in this issue, where Doc Ock got information from Maxine slash Beyond Corporation, but Maxine and Beyond know that he got this information, so now it's kind of like, who's going to get who first, and the issue kind of ends with... Um, Otto visiting specifically where Maxine is because she's not at Beyond, but he knows where she's at and he's about to make a surprise visit, a, a surprise appointment visit to her. Uh, so uh, it, it was a very quick issue, just kind of revolving around Otto and kind of moving him forward in the in the in the plot. Also, Ben gets his ass kicked um, in this one too. Um, so it's like kind of like back to back issues where he's just like not having t- a good weeks. <laughs> <laughs> nice, awesome. All right, uh, so now that Josue is caught up on Spider-Man, he will give us regular updates then. Yes. Uh, which I'm excited about. So let's talk about Dr. Afra, number 17. Cool Ooh. cover. Yeah. It's, 
it's her using the mind thing uh, that uh, she used in the last one that almost like wrecked her mind. So, written by Alyssa Wong, drawn by Miku Jung, um, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Jokara Magna. Um, so, this one is kind of like, again, we're recovering from the big crossover, but we're finally kind of back to doing its own thing where um, it's all about Afra and um, their relationship with the, the Tag Corporation. Um, so it's Afra and uh, Sana uh, doing their thing like they've been doing. And in this case, they're trying to, they're trying to find the person who uh, stole the, the artifact, the, the mind artifact. Uh, what's it called? The, uh, the thought dowser. Mm-hmm. Um, and they run into who it is, which is somebody that, um, that Afra knows. And it's someone who basically, basically, she describes them as um, someone who is basically an obsessed, like, archaeologist type, but pretending to be a Jedi <laughs> the entire time. So, um, so I love the character design. Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. Uh, so, the there's the lightsaber they're holding in there and stuff. So, um, so they are only identified as they, by the way. Oh, great. Yeah, um, so, and they don't make a big deal out of it, like, no one's like, she, and then she's like, actually, it's they, it's just everybody automatically knows to refer to them as they, which is pretty cool, so. Um, and they have a really cool fight, they reveal the lightsaber is actually like a bladed whip thing, so which is pretty dope, yeah. I know. And they, they have a very brief fight, we find out that it's a, um... They're trying to do some kind of ceremony that requires a bunch of severed arms. Uh, we don't know the nature of it yet. Uh, Dr. Afra is just so amazing. She, Dr. Afra's like, oh, no, you're going to kill me. And she's like, I'm crying. Uh, and she's like, uh, it's great. She's just like, before you cut my throat, I just want to say there's someone behind you. <laughs> and they're like, what? There's no one there. <laughs> like, she's like, I can't believe you fell for that. And she's like, <laughs> Uh, but they escape, and that's going to be a reoccurring villain, and I really enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, and then this actually ties directly into the Crimson Dawn because you find out you find out the archivist that's helping the villain is a member of the Crimson Dawn and has a really cool character design. Yeah, they do. Fuck yeah, yeah. So really cool. It's not gonna. I don't think we're. Gonna, it's gonna be like a must buy mm-hmm. if you're doing the Crimson Dawn thing. But I think it'll be a nice supplementary thing. So. Next up, Black Widow number 13. It's been a while since we checked in with Black Widow. Written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Rafael T. T. Pimentel. Colored by Jordi Belair and letter by Corey Petit. I got this Peach Momoko cover. Oh, really cool. There's hardly any, uh, any full body ones that she does. I know, which is great. So, um, so this one is actually a full flashback book. So the, the artist, the Rafael Pimentel, is a guest artist in this. And it cuts back to the first time she met the Living Blade, who is the new bad guy she's encountering. And just to give you an idea, this is the era we're cutting back to. Oh wow! So, and basically, it's in it's in Madripoor, and she runs into the Living Blade on a mission, and they just have a fight across Madripoor. She keeps trying to run away, and he just keeps following her and following her, and she can't do anything to him. She's like his muscle, like he's so muscled. She can't like move him or anything like that. They're trying their best. She's able to like knock him away and escape through the vents at the end. 
And she comes upon a bunch of women who are being kept because it's magic for for sex slavery. Yeah. She scares the men away. She's she's like, oh, I have to rescue them. I, you know, even if this guy's, this guy's right behind me, I can't leave them. And so the living blade shows up, and she's she's basically like, you'll you'll either have them or me. She basically threatens him, and he makes this face where he's just like, huh. And then he just leaves. He's like, until next time, widow. And so now is the next time the what's oh, going on currently. So this was entirely a flashback to show how they know each other. Mm-hmm. And Elena Casagrande will be for the we're back for the art next time. Oh, cool. That cover. Also, Black Widow continues its tradition of having the best action in any comic. I don't care what anyone says, because it's just always the action scenes are great. Like this, this fight in a bathroom. Oh, ooh, that's a lot. All over but, the place. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see like, like you just see they're doing all kinds of shit. So I love Black Widow. The action's always great. So good stuff. Love it. I'm excited that it's back because it's been a while. So next up. Thor. Ah, here we go. Number 20. Oh, here we go. Tell me. Tell me. Okay. So, written by Donnie Cates. Art by Nick Klein. Colored by Matt Wilson. Letter by Joe Sabino. This is God of Hammers, part two of five. Mm-hmm. So, what do we know so far? Mjolnir has been stolen, and people are starting starting to die by being hammered to death by a hammer that looks oddly like Mjolnir. Um, and we're trying to figure out what it is. We and, left off in Nivedalir, ne- right? Yes. So this kind of cuts to a whole bunch of different worlds that have been devastated by Mjolnir. Like, all these people have been killed across the universe. And then we get to Nidavellir, and it's Thor holding Ytrig. Oh. The one who created the hammer. Uh Uh-huh. The one played by um, Dinklage. um, Dinklage in the movie. So he gives him a proper burial, and then Odin talks some shit. Because he's like kneeling before Etrig's grave, and Odin's like, a king cannot rule from his knees, boy. Oh my god. Like, and then Odin says, this one shall do whatever the hell he pleases. As for you, loyal subject of Asgard, <laughs> you may do well to bite your tongue when addressing your king. <laughs> and Odin says, or what, you'll go cry to your mother again? <laughs> and oh. This yes, oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's just basically them talking shit to each other. Um, They have a pretty brief fight, and then they're suddenly teleported to Jotunheim Mm -hmm. by Loki, and we find out that the fight happened there, too. Oh, shit. Okay. A whole bunch of giants are dead, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and Thor is basically like, I keep hearing rumors of the God of Hammers. And they're like, oh, it's a myth. It's a myth. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And he's like, tell me. He's like, this is real. Tell me about it. And there's like no records of it or anything like that. And, um, but there, there is a prophecy where it says, um, the God of hammers will rise. He will ignite the 10 realms. He will take the last King of Asgard. And then there will be nothing, nothing but the distant sound of a forge raging, burning, as the God of Hammers reshapes the world. Um, so you're like, oh, that's crazy. And then they're trying to like figure it out. And then Sif teleports in. Sif with Throg. Uh, <laughs> so Throg's there. Yeah. Always good. And I, can I just say, with everything else that Donny Cates has contributed to comic books, the fact that Throg can just pop up in a Thor book and we don't second guess it at this point, it's probably his greatest achievement. I love it. <laughs> like, yeah, so... 
Um, so Sif's like, you have to come with us. What realm is this? Oh, what? Wait. Yes. Is on Earth or is this? It's Midgard. It's Broxton, Oklahoma. Oh, fuck. And you see he killed all the residents of, of Broxton. No. The God of Hammers. Thor is crying. Thor is upset. He tries to summon Mjolnir. And here it comes. It's coming to him. And then it stops. Or no, it doesn't stop. Sorry. It actually hits him. And Thor's like recovering. He's like, what's that? Who's there? And it's like, then there were no more words. Only a symphony of Uru beating against Godbone as the hammer just keeps hitting him over and over. Show yourself, coward. Stop hiding and tell me your name. Oh, Thor, you know my name. You've always known it. I am the god of hammers. I'm Mjolnir. Oh, oh, shit. Are you serious? (laughs) What? So... I have theories. Uh huh. I think it might be similar because because Odin's such a despicable bastard in this series. Mm-hmm. I think it might be similar to what Charles Xavier did with Danger. Okay. Where he's like, I needed to make this. I need to have this badass weapon made for my son. So I decided to capture the God of Hammers and put him in the hammer to make it ultra powerful. Because mm-hmm. that's what needed to happen. And it's been trapped because that's kind of been like a Donny Cates thing. Like you think about Donald Blake being trapped. Right. Like, so I think that's what's going to happen here. And it's sick. It's so cool. Mjolnir <laughs> is sentient. Like so good. Love it. <laughs> that is actually really dope. Thank you for all the spoilers. I needed that. And I can't wait to get it for myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next book is Darkhold Omega. The other one that you really wanted to read. Yes. <laughs> Written by Steve Orlando. Drawn by Sian Tormi. Inked by Roberto Poggi, Mark Deering, and Walden Wong. Colored by Jesus Abertoff and lettered by Clayton Cowles. This cover. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so basically, all of them are basically completely transformed now because of the shit that went on in their head. They're all bad guys now. Mm-hmm. And it's to Wanda. I'm not going to go blow by blow for this one. Uh, but long story short, they all... Everything is about stopping Cthon, which is the one who actually created the book, um, who's the creator of the Darkhold, and lives in this hell dimension. So all these five like uh, good guys who have turned bad are determined to kill him and take over his, his realm. Meanwhile, Wanda wants to stop him as well. Um, and Doom makes his re- reappearance to help Wanda. They're going to work together. There's this awesome shot of Cthon. Oh, yeah, sick. Yeah. Um, so the combat happens. They're fighting and everything. Doom shows up. Doom and Wanda are teaming up. And then Wanda actually betrays Doom <laughs> to use to use his ability. She grabs the Darkhold. And it's so funny because Wanda just got redemption, you know? She actually absorbs the Darkhold oh, into sick. herself. She says... Uh, now it's every fiber, every ink drop exists within me. I am the true Darkhold. You haunted me for so long, but in the end, are you ready for a visual you will fucking love? Fuck. You do not possess me, Cthon. I possess you. Oh my god. Holy yeah. shit. I'll give you a closer look on that. Yeah, that is dope. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's basically it. And then Wanda uses her new powers to turn the heroes back to their normal selves. Um, and then there's a great bit actually where they're talking about um, they remember flashes of what happened to remind them of what could be. And Spider-Man says, you think I need a reminder? I'm a screw up. I have roommates. <laughs> Which I was like, excellent. Um, but the one thing that did come back is Omega the Unknown, which is a kind of obscure Marvel character. Okay. And it looks like he's going to be coming back. Look him up. He's pretty cool. Um, he's a Doctor Strange supporting character. But uh, And then Doom and Wanda. It ends with Doom and Wanda meeting. And Wanda uses one pinky to completely crumble the Doombot. Like, like realizing it's a Doombot. And then she's basically like, come at me if you want, basically. Um and then she says, I'm free and flies away. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like the ending. So. Lots of great visuals. Uh, I think that'd be the thing you'll really take away from it. So, mm-hmm. All right. Now, shared books. I'm going to start with Shang-Chi number seven. Oh, man, yes. I'd like to point out what Josue pointed out, and I didn't notice. Uh, number seven, Legacy 133. And yes. as Josue said, if there's a legacy number, a lot of times it's not going to be a mini. So mm-hmm. that's a really good point. I'm very excited about that. So. Written by Jean Louis Yang, art by D- Dyke Ruan, colored by Triana Ferro, and letter by Travis Lanham. So basically, Shang Chi has let Brother Saber be arrested by the Avengers because of what he did. Boo! Don't like that. <laughs> but this whole issue is about Shang Chi and his mother, and I like the way he described a burrito. Mm-hmm. It's an egg roll, only bigger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's pretty great. It's delicious. And that made me really want a burrito. Um, and she she gives her origin story, which is really cool because it's kind of adapting from the movie a little bit in a way. Yes. So um, not exactly the same. Uh, there's definitely like a portal on an island in this case that she was in charge of protecting. Uh, his father was left to die by a bunch of men. We find out later it's because he's probably an asshole to them. Um, And she nurses him back to health, falls in love with him. And she basically has to leave with him and ends up joining him, finding out he's a warlord and just basically begs for her to give it a shot. And she falls in love and they seem to be really happy and they have their two kids. Everything's going great. Right in the middle of this origin story, Shang-Chi being the badass that he is, Picks up their salsa, which has real habanero peppers in it, <laughs> and throws it into the rafters and hits Red Dot in the eye, which is one of the bad guys. It's like, you know, how does it get my robot eye fixed? I love that. And then everybody shows up. We find out the new sister staff is the traitor, uh, which sucks. I love sister staff. She's so great. did I. So they're all attacking him, and he reveals that the bad guy, which I thought was going to be his dad back from life, is actually his grandfather, which is a really cool shout. I want to see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I think we're going to get uh sec because it looks like the, um, the prequel for the next issue says that we're going to continue getting the origin. So the mother story is going to take up from there as well. Nice. Um, and then of course, fighting off the assassination tip still super cool. I think this next one's going to have some really great action in it. Oh, specifically sure. because of everybody's there now and he's got to fight off all these badasses. So <laughs> I hope sister staff isn't a, an actual bad guy. I hope there's a twist. I know. Right. And where's sister dagger and all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For real. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Um, but really cool. Really enjoyed that. So 
yeah, no, it, it was it was so fucking sick. Um, what was it? Yeah, I, I did like how it did. Uh, because yeah, like Shang Chi just does have like the most rockiest of origin books, being kind of racist how they were just interpreted back then. Uh, so I did like how this book really does try to bring in. Well, we'll get the what we can work with from those with like the dad, but definitely tie in with how with like the how the movie try to refresh in like the origin story and like meeting yeah. here in the middle for like an actual real take and then we can actually take this origin story more serious from here on out i i really like it and we're just saying i was an ongoing i'm hoping maybe maybe the story is just a two-parter because uh next month has the true origin story of shang chi family concludes so maybe it's just like yeah. a little quick for for just the, the the history yeah i hope so too so next up the marvels number seven uh, written by Kurt Busiek, art by Yildare Sinar, color by Guru FX, and letter by Simon Bolin. Um, congratulations, Simon. I believe Simon became a father in the last oh, few weeks. nice. I, I saw something on Twitter about it. Let me double check. I don't want to be like sounding crazy if he's listening to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I did notice that because we do follow him on Twitter. And uh, yep, uh, December 14th, uh, they have a daughter named Amelia. Oh, so cute. So. <laughs> Uh, but congratulations, dude. So now we're going to talk about the comic itself. Um, this one's been really fun. And it does reintroduce the original vision. One thing that's amazing about this book is how, like, anytime you have a book called The Marvels or Marvels or anything like that with Marvel, mm-hmm. it's always going to be a flashback. It's always going to be a callback or something. And in this case, we see the original vision, which was so crazy. A character I forgot existed. <laughs> And I'm like, that's cool. And he's back and he adds just to this. Oh, first of all, this this costume, sick. Yes. So sick. Um, and just this really dysfunctional team, which is really fun. And I, I think it's Iron Man that keeps pointing that out. He's like, this is a really dysfunctional team. And they're like, don't worry about it. Captain America will make it work, which is great. <laughs> uh, we also get more of Warbird, which is really cool. And I'm starting to get really intrigued by Warbird. Me too. Yeah, so that's probably the highlight about this so far for me is Warbird. Um, but we do get to cut in, or where they finally cut into the to the you know the the dark uh, circle shield, and we finally get to the moment that the first book started on, where they're all finally in there. This is where the whole series started when Captain America says, "I didn't come alone," and the fight starts, and we get this cool fight. I love that we're getting highlights on characters that don't get a lot of highlights, like Arrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, obviously we get some Black Cat, which is great. Storm is still just a badass everywhere she goes. <laughs> like the as long as there's air, wind, and water, there's weather. Weather answers to me. Like I'm like fuck yeah. Uh, and yeah, we get a little bit of a tease because who shows up to the side but Agent Melinda May from Agents of Shield. Yeah, and we'll see what's going on there shortly. I think so. But yeah, they, they have this really cool formation. They're doing really well. But of course, Warbird can't control herself because she's Warbird. If she's anything like Deathbird, then there's a reason. Um, and she basically jumps Lady Lotus and demands, where is my father? So curious to see where that goes. But I'm really thoroughly enjoying this book. And it's a real fun way to take some of the A-listers, team them up with some people who don't get a lot of attention. Right. And also bring back some old familiar faces, which is cool. I just I do like that. It's like Kirby Music is just it's such a name where it's just like, He's just that Marvel and be like, hey, I want to do this story. And it's like, eh, it's not really going to tie into like 616 continuity, right? Absolutely not. I'm just doing my own thing. 
oh cool just go to your corner and just do your thing and you're just popping all these characters <laughs> exactly yeah so been good stuff i'm doing it so all right, guys, time to take a trip to Krakoa. We're going to talk about our X books for the week. We're going to start with X-Men 6. Um, oh, shit. Okay. Well, of course we are. The other one's a finale. Uh, written by Gary Dugan, drawn by Pepe Raz, colored by Marte Grecia, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So, I, I was left with uh, the last copy, which was the variant, but honestly, no regrets. Yeah, I got the A cover. Nice. So... Me and Oswey talked a couple months ago about Captain Krakoa. Uh-huh. Who is Captain Krakoa going to be? We're so stupid. So. <laughs> as soon as this one, I was like... Well, yeah, I, it's like, I, well, I, know I know that chin. I know that chin. <laughs> Everybody knows that chin. Uh, uh, one, one great thing we'll talk about before we get to the Captain Krakoa portion of this is the great Sunfire issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sunfire is amazing. Um, and I love the I love the twist... That Fei Long, the uh, the the guy who was going to terraform Mars, mm-hmm. and was pissed that the mutants did it first. He's like, "Well, fuck you! I'm terraforming Phobos, and I'm gonna I'm gonna orbit Erico the entire fucking time," <sighs> which is such a bitch move, but it's also amazing. And I it's can't like the it like the one the one dollar up bid on the Price is Right. It's just like <laughs> not better, but it's just like God, it's a dick move, dude. It's such a spiteful move. Like it's so good, so. <laughs> And yeah, it seems like within, like I said, within days it, it's transformed. So he he does get his foothold in. He's not stopped. So I think that's going to play into X Men Red. Oh yeah, oh for sure, I can see that happening. Yeah, and especially and also, what, what's what's Brand going to think of this? Yeah, like the the part that got to me where it's just like at first it was just like it was such a noble sacrifice, and now it's just like fuck, not Carla's body. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, that too. Hmm, we'll talk about that. So, and then um, to just be like, it's like the the stakes have just gotten higher. To just cut to this fucking asshole again. <laughs> this is my favorite recurring joke from Jonathan Hickman's <laughs> run of X Men: the space lawyer, blurred Murdoch, space lawyer. <laughs> it is nothing funny. Than this shit. It just keeps coming up. At first, it was New Mutants, so we're like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." This is X Men. This is the main title, and they're making this joke. I forget still. where where he was last on too. It was so funny, dude. Like this has been at least three or four times he's popped up. But so what we find out is Cyclops doesn't want Captain Krakoa on the X Men, and he's outvoted by the Council unanimously. And you're like, okay. And then we find out it's because Ben Yurik found out that Cyclops died. So why is he alive? Well, he's not. And now they have to announce publicly that Cyclops is dead. But the newest <laughs> member of the X-Men is Captain Krakow, which is Cyclops. <laughs> so they basically have to hide his identity. And that's why he, he, they weren't voting for him to be a member of the team. They were voting whether he had to be Captain Krakow, which I thought was a great twist. <laughs> like, that's why he's so against it. I'm like, no, no, Captain Krakow should not be on the X-Men. They're like, yes, he should. <laughs> and I was like, why is he so against it? Oh, it's because it's him. That's amazing. So, um, But yeah, really cool. I, I like it. Um, and Scott also is like still talking to Ben Yurik at the well, end, which is like, really interesting. That's what I want to know what happened. Like, they did just like, did the whole... Uh, psychic telepathy manipulation and just made him forget like they didn't like kill him resurrect right to make him forget 
Oh, if anything, they just erased his brain. Okay, okay. Because it was just to check up on him and it's like, hey, it's like I'm your buddy and uh, a buddy of Scott's, and you just want to touch upon the your Pulitzer Prize project that you had working on. And he was like, yeah, he was like, I tell you, if I if I had one like that, it's like, oh, cool. So we're going. We're we're still playing a dick move here as mutants, but okay. <laughs> but here's the thing: he's not the only one that been found. Jumbo Carnation was another one, but I yeah. guess Jumbo doesn't make like public appearances so much as like cyclops does true but yeah interesting i think they did some kind of psychic touch to make sure that worked although why wouldn't you just make them forget that cyclops died <laughs> like you know what i mean like, right. so, but but i mean that's this is what it is so but good stuff i'm excited to see where that goes um now we're going to talk about it. oh this actually be a good time we don't know yet but there will be another x-men vote this year yeah I still think it's too soon, but it's like, because I really like this team. Uh, well, you know what? Here's the thing, though. By the time they announce it and have the election, it's going to be a year. You okay. know, like, so they have to announce it, have the election, um, find the winner, and then adapt the winner to their stories. So that's going to be at least 13 to 14 issues with this team at that point. So also, before we move on, because um, uh, w- when Scott, when Scott is, I've, uh, wanting to vote on uh, like not Kevin Greco on the, on the team and it's put up to a yeah. vote and it's uh it said um let the record show the motion carries with overwhelming <laughs> overwhelming unanimous support and one obstinate uh abstention do you see who it is yeah it's sinister wait no it's exodus no what no like sinister, sinister was... has like one hand up like on his right and exodus next to him has both down uh, I think that's after the vote, though. Is it like? Oh, because everybody has their hands joke... up. Okay, so like in the in the uh, if you look at the big group picture, you can see that Exodus's hand is up. It's really small, but in the top corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like everybody has their hands up. I, I see Sinister's up and his down. That's what I guess. That's what I'm seeing. No, no, Sinister, you're you're getting their profiles confused. Sinister has the multiple uh, cape. Oh, no, you're, oh, you're right. He has the spikies. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, my bad. Yeah. Cool. I got the straight. Yeah, no, it's good. But yeah, I like that. I adore equilibrium like such a douche. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I get that now then. Fuck you, you asshole. <laughs> you <you're> fucked <laughs> over the hellions. Like, judgment day, mother. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get right. it. And now, oh, man. The finale. Inferno number four. Coming to an end, the Hickman run in X-Men. This is the last issue. I think he's still doing the Marvel Unlimited one, which, by the way, you should read. It's really good. I've been reading okay. it the past week. Uh, it took a really weird, dark turn at one point. So, <laughs> yeah. And it is Krakoa. It's 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 in Krakoan uh, lore. So, Dope. Inferno number four, written by Jonathan Hickman. Drawn by, who else could possibly draw the end of Jonathan Hickman's run? Valerio Rashidi and Stefano Caselli. Colored by David Curiel and letter by Joe Sabino. So this wraps up the first Krakoan age. And we'll talk about the Xavier Magneto portion of it first. Xavier and Magneto are there to save Moira McTaggart from being taken by Orcus. And who, sh- who they run into but Nimrod and Omega Sentinel. Um, ends up being a two-on-two fight. And it does not go well for them. It's an epic two-on-two out. fight. It was really good. Like it was really well done, um, but yeah, it doesn't go well for them. And so, let's just say they go to the resurrection queue, and they forget <laughs> everything that they learned 
during this fight because Cerebro's not backed up, right? It's just so cool. Uh, I saw a tweet. Somebody said they really like how Omega Sentinel has gone from like a C-list X-Men to an A-list villain. And I'm like, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. So, but the real story here Fuck. is the Moira McTaggart arc. So as we know, Moira, when she dies, she's resurrected or reincarnated in a new life and can change things. She remembers what happens from her previous lives. And so she's basically mystique and destiny are like, fuck you, bitch. We're going to kill you again. She's like, I'll just change everything. I'll just kill you right off the bat or something. You know, like she's like, that's fine. Do it if you want. But they come up with a loophole around it. Which is interesting. They shoot her with the cure that Forge created, making her a human, which they make the line, which is what she's always really wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, if she dies, she no longer has powers and won't reincarnate. And she's like, don't you understand what you've done? And she tries to explain that her goal in the end was to cure mutants, to make sure there's no more mutants to be born. Because she said, no matter what we do, we lose. Like, she's like, mutants cannot win. So it's best for every future mutant to be born a human. That's the only way they're going to survive the future, which is really interesting. And I think it's a really cool concept. Um, I think as a story, this is told really well. As a person... I don't like Mystique and Destiny making this decision for everybody. Fuck yeah. Them. Like, I don't, I don't like this. Like, uh, hmm. I'm still on the Moira side of it, although I understand why they're upset. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I thought that was kind of fucked up. And so Destiny is just like, Feral Moira, this time you die and die forever. And that's when we get the best entrance ever. Forever. Well, that sounds ominous. And our boy, Doug <laughs> Cypher of all people is like, nah, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. And he basically is like, wait, so she's a human now. So if you kill her, you're breaking one of the laws. And I'll have to report that to the proper mutant authorities. <laughs> and he's just basically like, you're not going to kill her. She's a human now. So, you know. And then Mystique's like, why don't I kill you? And that's when Cypher shows his backup, which is Krakoa. Which is great. Krakoa alone. But <laughs> Bay. 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 Blood moon. Bay appropriately named Bay. <laughs> um and I love how he's just like, Yeah, go for it. Fight Bay, please do. Like, I think <laughs> if I may be so bold, you might have to get out of bed this uh, out of this one. <laughs> yeah. And so there were three choices. They kill Moira. They'll both be removed from the council. Um Mystique will be exiled, and Destiny will die six months after that, will not be reborn a second time. They try to kill Doug, but they will fail. Uh, Mystique or Destiny will die. Oh no, sorry, Mystique will die. Destiny will not. Uh, it's possible, but not likely that she'll be resurrected three years from now. And the last one, the boy wins. We let Moira escape. We remain on the council and consolidate power, as does he. <laughs> and so that's what they end up choosing. And they end up going, and then. I still think that the ending of this is a little harsh on Moira. Maybe it's because I know that she's the only reason we have Krakoa. Yeah, that's true. And and I love Krakoa so much that I'm like, thank you, Moira, for everything you've done for <laughs> Mutant Kind. Um, but yeah, and then he gives he gives Moira because her arm is chopped off. He gives her a new warlock hand so he can track her basically. Mm-hmm. 
and she leaves and uh, she can no longer use the portals. And then we cut to the very beginning of this book once again, where it's Emma resing Magneto and Charles and says, you know, what does it like to say in these times? Like Charles to me, my X-Men, she brings them back and it's like, what have you done? She's told the entire quiet council about the Moira McTaggart. <laughs> stuff. And now it's a burden that they all have. And this, this series of stuff right here, these shots. Yes. Were, were, it was so good. Just separating them in a group. This sets up a mortal X-Men because we know mortal X-Men is going to be about the quiet council. Mm-hmm. The nation's founders, the always faithful, the trustworthy <laughs> bosses. They're building the innocent children, the broken keepers, mm-hmm. the heroes, the villains, the killers, the liars. And the true believers. And the true believers. Yeah, it's like we built the walls high and locked ourselves inside forever. And we have a full quiet council. There's been the empty chairs that were just so we just stick out so much, and now it's just like with the biggest holy shit. <laughs> so I want Apocalypse to show up. And be like, hey, where's my chair? And they're like, oh, we gave it to Destiny. And he just rips her in shreds. And he's like, all right. And sits back down. <laughs> like, That's what I want to happen, personally. Like, I got my chair back. Um, so, no, this is really dope. Really enjoyed it. Um, it's a great way to wrap up the Hickman run. And I don't know where we go from here, though. Like, I, I personally, in my personal opinion, and I don't think this is a creative opinion. This is a personal opinion. I think Mystique and Destiny came off really unlikable at the end of this. Mm. Like, I had a hard time relating to them, and now I'm kind of like, well, now what? I don't I don't want to see more of them. I mean, I do see more of them, but not in a fun way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, so, I gotcha. Um, and then I'm, I kind of feel bad for Moira. Now, the thing is, is I know they needed to do that to Moira because they can't count on her resetting. Mm-hmm. You know, like that can't be a plot point that's always hanging out there. Yeah. So they had to get rid of that to say, okay, this is it. It's not happening again. But she wants the cure. Kind of like, no, that's why I don't. And I mean, the thing is, I, I was thinking, well, why can't the five bring her back with powers? And it's because she's not in Cerebro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They made sure she wasn't there so that others couldn't tell she was in there. So. Uh, we'll see. But that brings the end of the Jonathan Hickman X-Men run. What'd you think, Oswe? I mean, yeah, right? I mean, for a pause, so he's supposed to come back, or is this really it? it? I thought he was supposed to take like a, take like a pause. He's coming back at some point. Yeah, soon. okay. Um, yeah, no, Inferno was yeah. a lot of fucking fun. It was just the... It was so dramatic, but like in a good, like, it was like a fucking good drama. Hawksbox was awesome in a reinventive way tenosaurs was just so fun and now this like this is like it, it really did almost like lead up to to here and i, I it was just so fucking cool <laughs> yeah so like there's some real fucking stakes so- like throughout the whole thing and then to just get here and now to ask okay what next ah fuck yeah it's just been so enjoyable i mean just think about where the x-men were mm-hmm. and think about where they are now they have their own country. They have their own planet. Yeah. They have their own space force. <laughs> like, it's insane what we've done. They're all, the mutants are all one team now. Yeah. You know, and that's insane. And the ride we've been on, the books we've had, you know, Hellions and X Factor 
and putting highlights on characters that no one puts highlights on and just it's been it's been amazing Loa so. mercury just getting some actual love like it was just it was awesome i mean peeper fucking <laughs> yes. peeper is never loved the fact that yes like he wasn't the mole and it could have just like they could have just oh, that easily... sucked. yeah <laughs> i would have hated if he was the mole <laughs> uh yeah peeper and you made us give a shit about Fabian Cortez. Think about the characters we give a shit about now. Yeah. Fabian Cortez is a nanny and orphan maker and shit. Like, <laughs> like, like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's just been a wild ride. But I can't wait for to see what happens next. Julio so. and Shatterstar being back. Oh, yes. Julio, my love. <laughs> I loved that. So, yeah. So that's the uh, that's everything we're going to talk about this week. Josue, did you have anything else you want to bring up? Any other reading? Uh, yeah, I got caught up uh, with uh, Sword Eleven, the the finale from uh, last time. That was epic, epic, epic as fuck with uh, uh, Gateway, just like fucking getting like the getting the satellite and launching it back and just having its own trajectory. The whole, oh, the manifold, whole, manifold. Yeah, manifold, yeah, and fucking Cable getting the second level of the arm. Like, oh, I'm so curious about that one. Yeah. Um, I got caught up with uh, Radiant Black 11 as well, finally. And this was such a good issue. I really fucking mm-hmm. loved 11. Like, 10 was epic, yeah. and especially we got the Blacklight edition. But really leading up, like, uh, 10, 10 issues later, leading up to 11, this one, and now it's like, oh, it, it finally happened. But, like, this one finally felt in its really comfortable state as an actual ensemble book, and I really liked it for it. Like, like everybody, it wasn't just like a, a cut to here to here. It didn't feel packed. It just felt like it's actual ensemble story finally. And I, I that, that, that's, that was the highlight for it for me. Nice. Then last thing I got from books of pictures was this book that I guess was shit back in print. Or before that, I did finally get immortal Hulk volume four by Al Ewing. Um, so I can actually finally dig into the full series because I do have the last 10 issues in issue form. So I can actually not wait for the last hardcover. But the vault book uh, that I want to highlight is Rockstars. Oh, that looks dope. Right. And this one is by, uh, written by Joe Harris, artist, Megan Hutch's, uh, Hutchison Cates. This is a Megan's vault book that, uh, that I've kind of been oh. curious about. Um, I guess it was... Um, like it was like I guess it took a while for Vault to have like enough money to actually finally put it almost like in print. So if you get a chance to look for rock stars. Definitely. I'm I'm definitely checking that. Because it does look really fucking epic. It does look really good. I, I got to skim it. It's like when I realized it was Megan, it's like, oh fuck. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a, a fucking vault book. <laughs> nice. Uh as far as my reading goes, I've I've been reading the Dave Grohl autobiography. I'm mm-hmm. a little over halfway done. Loving it. Um, lots of fun stories, um, and yeah, it's so good. I'm also listening to the audiobook for the final Shadow and Bone book. Since I've read it, I can now put the audiobook on when I'm doing other things and not have to focus too much. Um, I just really like the um, the voice actress that, or the the not the voice actress, the um, the narrator that they use um, for the audiobook. I think she's great, so okay. I love listening to her voice. Um, also been reading a lot of D and D stuff cause I'm currently, we're currently at the point of our campaign where I'm not using anything as a basis for what we're doing. It's literally all my writing. Nice. So it's taking a lot and I'm having to get a lot of inspiration from different things. Um, and of course manga, normal manga stuff as we normally do. Oh yeah. Berserks. My, my back on Berserks cause yeah, that's right. And, and, and I finished the second, the, the second third of the, 
Miles Miles Omnibus and how much I like this book, but I really remember just hating Ultimate Universe world building bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, check out Marvel Unlimited, guys. Uh, mm. I want to put a highlight, as I said, on the X Men title on there, which is written by Jonathan Hickman. Nice. And uh, I'll briefly talk about it. The first bit focuses on Wolverine. Uh, basically, AIM kidnaps some mutants and he has to go save them. And they reveal them one by one. And it's pretty funny. Uh, the first one's Nightcar and the second one's Chamber. Oh, okay. Great. And so that was cool. Now there's a new arc where Nature Girl, who we haven't really checked in with in a while, um, basically discovers, basically is dealing with the fact that humanity is killing nature. And a sea turtle washes up on Krakoa and coughs up a, a shopping bag before oh, it dies. No. And so she loses her temper. She goes through Krakoan Gateway, goes to the, the grocery store that it's from, which is in Vegas. And she throws it down in front of the manager. She's like, you know where I found that? It's like up up a turtle's you know throat and Fort choked to death. And he's like, that's not really my problem. So she loses her temper and stabs him to death. Oh, shit. Yes. Now they're all trying to find her because she did it. Yeah. And she makes a quick track trip back to Krakoa through a gateway to grab stuff and then leave. Because she's determined now to like stop everything. Stop uh-huh. the bad guys. Stop stop the destruction of nature. And she gets an alliance with the young another young teammate. And they're out to basically kill humans. And obviously that's one of the big laws. And I know it's concluded because I was told what happens at the end. <laughs> and it's very controversial. Ooh, and okay. but I'm not. I haven't read to that point yet, so I'm very excited to get to that point. So, yeah, good stuff. Very excited. So, um, that's pretty much what I've been reading. Uh, so we're going to wrap up today. Those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, so you can find myself at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz WHI Podcast Liz Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. You can also check out this show at WHI Podcast. You can find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo as well on Twitter. You can check out Hosway on Twitch at Hosway Plays Hosway, where he currently is playing through Metal Gear Solid 1 again yes. uh, as his yearly tradition. Yes. Uh, so very excited. Uh, I sat through most of that for a while. It was basically half the game straight up. So. Yeah, straight up did the whole di- first disc. <laughs> yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, so make sure to check us out on there and everything else that we might be doing. Uh, follow us on Twitter because we're probably going to have a lot of big announcements coming up of future things that are going to be happening and how the um, the world around us might shift a little bit. We'll talk about that later. So, uh, so always, don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures. And we will see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Mm-hmm.